Hello, good morning and good afternoon to everyone who is joining us today for our first Radical Women Entrepreneur, Rural Women Entrepreneurs live broadcast to podcast hosted by the Canadian Centre for Rural Creativity, or as we like to call it, the CCRC. My name is Cassandra Bryant, and I will be your host for today. A little bit of housekeeping before we begin. Please ensure you are on mute to help reduce background noise. And during our time together, please feel free to comment or ask questions in the chat. I will check the chat and I'm more than happy to share those questions or comments with everyone today. And this is also not your typical podcast. Um, this format is a more of a live and interactive broadcast that we're doing today. And we will transfer it over into the format of podcast when we are done. We will... Yes, and we will offer this both as a video and as a podcast uh, or audio format on the CCRC website in the coming weeks. And this will also become a monthly noontime for those that are in Eastern Standard Time uh, podcast running from now until May of next year. And while we meet on a virtual platform, it is important to acknowledge in Canada that the lands we are on are the ancestral and unceded territories of all the Inuit, Métis and First Nations people. I'm joining you from the traditional territory of the Huron-Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and, and the Anishinaabeg in Markham, Ontario. I am delighted to briefly introduce our guest today, and feel free to give them a Zoom hello, either in the chat or as a wave. I, it is my pleasure to introduce Carlene Schneider, Development Director of Green Hectares in Alberta. Hello, Carlene. Sorry about that. And then Helen Strong, owner of Root Hug Glass Eco and Vegan B&B and Audaciousness podcaster from the Isle of Lewis in Scotland. Hello, Helen. And Juliana Dodson, Executive Director of Radically Rural and Business Owner from New Hampshire in the United States. Welcome, Juliana. These incredible guests will share more about themselves very shortly. So before we begin, I'd like to share a little bit about the CCRC for those who are not yet familiar with the organization. The CCRC strives to advance the needs and promote the interests of rural or remotely located communities through dialogue, networking, collaboration, and learning. The organization is currently going through a reset where we focus on different ways of seeing, being, and doing in the world. A theme that we will be exploring today through radical change. We will also be launching our refreshed uh, mission and vision sorry about that, that aligns with our new path and values of creativity, collaboration, and action. Our three organizational pillars include the Social Innovation Hub, the Learning Commons, and the Community Network. And feel free to sign up to the CCRC newsletter to hear more about these initiatives in the coming year. A little bit about myself to help set context for Radical. I am currently the chair of the CCRC board and advisory lead for this live broadcast and podcast series. I was a nonprofit practitioner for close to 18 years and am a coach for women entrepreneurs, a community wellness practitioner, and a social entrepreneur having launched a business called Changeant Zero. I am also a PhD student in rural studies at the University of Guelph, focusing on the experiences of rural women social entrepreneurs in the Scottish Highlands and Islands. And I'm also involved in some research projects that focus on the health and wellness of rural healthcare workers and small business owners during the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, we would like to set the stage for this inaugural live podcast um, when we're talking about radical change. 
So while the world is facing growing social and economic changes in poverty, gender inequality, ethnicity-based discrimination, and climate change, these issues are at the same time becoming more and more complex. A pivotal change is needed, one that we call radical change. And radical change requires new types of solutions and a different way of seeing, being, and doing. And as Einstein had said, we cannot solve the problems of today with the same thinking we used when we created them. For the CCRC, radical change means fundamental change. It tackles critical social, environmental, and economic challenges, which we feel stem from existing structural, uh, existing structural uh, changes and systems. We feel that radical change is required when we understand our responsibility to make space for new ways of thinking for the 21st century and beyond. Investment industry statistics recently shared that by 2030, 65% of Canada's wealth will be in the hands of women, and women-owned businesses are on the rise. Interestingly, while profitability may be one of the main drivers, women entrepreneurs are also enhancing social and environmental health and wealth. And more importantly, uh, their businesses tie into their own personal and professional experiences, as well as their personal values. It comes from the heart and is full of storytelling. I would love to hand this over now to Carlene, Helen, and Juliana to introduce themselves and share what radical change means to them. And this really is a conversation. So Carlene and Helen and Juliana, please feel free to ask questions or expand on what others are saying. And I will begin with Carlene, welcome. Um, so, uh... My name is Carlene Schneider, and I'm on. Uh, I live on a farm uh, in Alberta, uh, so it's a 40-year farm. Uh, my husband and I we bought it from his his parents, and um, we're on a cattle farm. But I also have a background in horticulture, so I'm doing a market garden. And then on top of that, um, working in the nonprofit sector, doing mostly communications, and now I've kind of evolved and taking some coursework and, and working on actually online learning. So um, that's really coming into uh, influencing how I'm seeing things as well. Um, and then I guess radical change. Um, this is a tough one for me. Um, I, I do think that change is needed. Uh, one area that I work in is conservation on agricultural lands. And uh, so what seems to be kind of the new thing is actually things that were done generations ago. So I'm a little bit conflicted about, you know, what is radical <laughs> about that? You know, maybe it's going back to the roots. Um, so uh, yeah, so I guess it, I've got lots to learn and, and lots to, uh, hear and listen to on this on this session here. Thank you, Carlene. Helen? Yeah, hi everyone and thank you Cassandra and thank you to the CCR team for inviting me um, to this podcast. Um, yeah, so a little bit of information um, about myself as a background. Um, two things that I want to talk about. Um, the first one is the radical changes which I've made in my own life. Mm -hmm. um, so I I come from the north of England and um, just over 20 years ago, I made the radical change of moving to Germany, where I lived for 20 years. And then two years ago, I decided that I didn't want to 
continue this corporate urban lifestyle that I was living in Germany. And I decided to um, up sticks and move to a, do, have another radical change and move to a remote island in the Outer Hebrides and open a bed and breakfast, which is eco-friendly and vegan. So we're targeting a very particular type of clientele there, firstly due to our remoteness and secondly because we're, um, we're the only vegan B&B um, in the Outer Hebrides. And coupled with that, I also write a blog um, twice a month about the lifestyle that we're living here. The second thing that I do is um, earlier this year, at the beginning of this year, I launched a podcast with a friend of mine called Audaciousness, where we interview people who have set themselves audacious goals or who do audacious work, the audacious work that the world needs in order to showcase people, you know, general uh, people like you and me who do audacious things in the world in order to get their stories out and say that anybody can have an audacious goal or do audacious things. And we want to encourage others to also step up and do their audacious work. So that's a bit about my background. The question, um, what is radical change and do we need it? And um, yeah, so I made a couple of notes on this, actually very similar to what Carleen uh, said just now. So for me, radical change is dismantling existing antiquated hierarchical and patriarchal systems in order to, and then I, I wrote establish, but I've written re-establish. And this is what Carlene is saying. We're going, we need to go back to what it was before we had these hierarchical uh, hierarchical and patriarchal systems. So re-establish the systems in which humans can live in harmony with nature and the planet. And we need it, yes, we need it, in order to ensure the continued health of the people on the planet and of the earth and of all life forms that live on this planet. So that's my answer to that question. Thank you so Thank much, you. Helen. Yes, that and I agreed with that piece about reestablishing and reconnecting. Uh, we're really looking at that participatory paradigm, aren't we, when we're looking at moving forward? And that doesn't just include people, it includes the ecosystems, the, the natural biosphere as well. Thank you. Juliana. All right. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, perfect. Um, so my name is Juliana Dodson, and I um, originally was uh, born in the southeastern part of the United States, but I've lived all over the country and in several um, countries overseas as well. And I've done um, a number of different things in my life, but right now we are settled in New Hampshire, which is in the northeast of the United States. And I am um, working for a nonprofit called the Hannah Grimes Center for Entrepreneurship, and I run their National Radically Rural program. Um, I also have a small business called JD Financial, and I do um, personal budgeting and money management. And um, I also have some, um, you know, volunteer things that I do, boards and committees, and you know, probably things that everyone here is involved with. And yeah, so I would say that um, for me, uh, radical change, I also feel a little conflicted about because I think that there are times 
when radical change is absolutely needed. And I would consider the climate crisis, you know, one of those issues where um, we just need to move. We just need to do something quickly and all of us need to do that. Um, if we're talking about upending current systems. But I also think that radical change is effective change. And <clears throat> sometimes it's the like, not so glamorous, slow and steady hard work that really yields radical change, in my opinion. Um, it's kind of like, you know, I was listening to one of the podcast episodes of Helen's Audaciousness podcast, and they were interviewing um, someone named Felicia, and she was saying that, you know, the first year or two of her business was actually the easiest. It was the years following that that became more difficult. And I think that sometimes starting things or initiating these bold um, moves can be easier, but then it's kind of that drudgery that tends to come afterward that I think yields um, change. So that's kind of the, where I've been ruminating about this topic. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. I think it, all three of you had mentioned kind of wrestling with the terminology or the concept of using these words, the languaging of radical change. I'm curious about what you think that, uh, how that's conveyed in rural communities and in your rural communities. And if it's not necessarily the language of radical change, what other words would you consider to try to still convey that, as you talked about that kind of urgency for some matters, and also knowing that we are thinking about dismantling and re-establishing systems and, uh, and just addressing these things as we move forward. And any one of you can begin. I'll go. <laughs> um, I, think, I think it can speak to some people. I think rural, well, as you know, doing all, all your research in rural that um, it's, it's really hard to create buckets of people, demographics of people in rural. And so I think you're going to have a challenge in trying to get everyone to like one term, doesn't matter what the term is. Um, when I've been looking at this and really thinking about this over the last little while um, in biology, so when you have a seed, the first thing that comes out, you call it a radical and it's, it's mm. the root and it's, but it's spelled radical uh, C-L-E. So, you know, there, there's something there and that's my horticulture <laughs> background coming through. But for me, there's something there that there is, yes, there's this change and this growth and this evolving, but then there's also something about um, staying grounded. Uh, you know, rooting in. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and Carlene, I'm just curious, would you be using the term radical if you were conveying this to your, to your, in, through your business uh, methods and with green hectares and with being on the farm and educating those in your community? Probably not. I think I would lean more around um, social community um, I live in, where I live, it's called the Beaver Hills Biosphere. It's a UNESCO biosphere. Their concept is really interesting, started 
quite a few years ago, we're recent, I think 2016, but um, the whole concept is that you have, uh, you know, your ecology and your community and uh, people are part of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so in order to preserve that, we have to acknowledge that the people are, are part of that, that solution. Um, and sometimes it feels like that gets lost a little. So the, I think the more you can strengthen that social fabric, there's other things that can benefit from that. Um, some of these inequalities we're talking about or um, ecologically. Uh, so that, that's probably where I would go with it. Uh, but once again, I don't think you're gonna get everyone to agree with me either, <laughs> so. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pick up on the question on, on the idea of radical because I wouldn't describe what I do as, as radical either. Um, I think radical for a lot of people is a little bit too extreme. Mm -hmm. People are afraid of change and then to ask someone to make a radical change in their life, um, you know, you just get the digging their heels in and, and that type of thing. I mean, I've done a couple of radical things in my life, which is to move country, I think is pretty radical. But to, for example, to open a vegan bed and breakfast, um, I wouldn't describe that as radical. I would say it as, I would use the word rethinking the way that services are being offered. So when I was wanting to open a vegan bed and breakfast, um, somebody did say to me, you know, you're in Scotland, people when they come, when they want to breakfast in Scotland, it has to be a fried breakfast with sausages and black pudding and all of this. You can't offer your guests vegan things. And I said, what do you mean? I can't offer my guests vegan things. I can. I tell them they're getting a vegan breakfast and that's what they're getting. And so I get, you know, a, um, a certain kind of guest who um, is accepting that this is what I'm offering, but I don't think it's particularly radical what I'm doing. Um, and I think to pick up on something that Juliana said about the more incremental things, I think if you just do some, if you just say, this is what I'm offering, you're kind of providing, um, uh, you're being the role model for how, in my case, how accommodation can be offered, how the leisure industry could change by becoming more plant-based or more eco-friendly or more whatever, um, you know, without doing something completely radical. Um, so I would say probably instead of radical just to, to use the word rethinking, rethinking the way things are done. And Helen, I'm curious to know, knowing that some, as some things we do need to move quickly on, other ones, maybe there is some time there. I'm wondering too, and we've had dialogue on, on this terminology as well, but it's almost like trying to find a word that can convey um, the rethinking and the restructuring, but in a way that we can do it a little quicker, if you will. I think if we all were to rethink what we did, then the effect would be radical. Yes. You know, if we if we all touched what it was that is driving us, if we all said, what is it that I want to do? So I personally want to have a vegan B&B in the Outer Hebrides. Carlene wants something else. Juliana, everybody wants something else. Everybody is in touch with what it is that they are bringing to the table, what they are here to do, what they are being called to do. And if everybody did that and we all worked in alignment with each other, we would have a huge radical change. So I think the, the, the result would be radical, but each one of us is just doing our little bit to get there. 
Does that make sense? Absolutely. And it really conveys that idea that if we can all each do our little bit, a collective impact will be made. And that is where, as you said, that's probably where the radical lives is in that. It's, it's like maybe on an ocean where you've got, you know, every little wave then creates the huge wave at the end. But one person is not that huge wave. It's that the huge wave is the culmination of lots of other waves doing our thing. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Juliana, thank yourself. What a, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say like, um, I think people who are considered like radical change makers get a lot of hype for, or like maybe attention or like, wow, that person just is this way or does these things or something like that. But I know for a lot of us that have an entrepreneurial spirit, it's, and it, you know, kind of seeps into every aspect of your life, whether it's, you know, societal, religious, relational, you know, with your work, whatever it is, it just kind of seeps into everything. And I feel like those of us that have that spirit, I feel like I can't take credit for it. It's just, you know, who I am. Um, But when people ask me, like, how did you make these, you know, bold decisions and, and these bold moves that how did you take that risk? How did you do that? You know, a lot of times for me, it may start with Googling something you know, like something so simple where I'm like, I have this thing in my head that I'm just like, you know, in the mix of life where I'm overwhelmed, you know, I have three small kids, I work full time, and I have a business and all these things. And I just get so overwhelmed, but I have this thing that's just nagging at me and won't let me go. And it feels like I'm never like, that's too big. I can't get to it. I'll never do that. But then one day I have an extra three minutes between something and I'm like, I'm going to Google this. And then I Google it. And then I'm like, oh, well, there's a contact. I'll just reach out to that contact. That only takes 30 seconds, you know? And then maybe you only do one thing every three months on this particular idea or track that you're on, but eventually it gets you somewhere. Um, The executive director of Hannah Grimes, actually um, the nonprofit where I work, she had, she ended up creating a spreadsheet that has like columns for all the different kind of threads, you know, that she has going on. And that way she can go back and say like, what was the last thing I did on this project? And that way none of them like get lost. And so I think it's kind of that, that idea that like, yeah, if your house is on fire, you just get out, you know, like there's times when you don't think about it and you just have to do it and you have to act. But I think um, for those really deep-seated, long-lasting changes, there is um, sometimes there's time to to think about it um, so that even people who don't necessarily consider themselves having that like bold entrepreneurial spirit, they can do that one next thing and then that one next thing and then that one next thing. And if they stay at it, um, I think there's a lot of uh, themes there with just kind of that slow and steady way to, um, to get there and looking at models that work, um, you know, in with radically rural, my program, a lot of times our programming is built around models that are working. Um, there may be iterations needed, but there are things that are working out there. And if we can find what those are, then we can build off of that existing, um, that existing structure and, and continue to augment, you know, like what CCRC is doing, Radically Rural 
and CCRC should be working together so that neither of us are having to redo work that's already being done. You know, we can work together. And um, I just realized I was rambling. <laughs> no, no, I think that's brilliant. And you, you make a good point there. You know, one of the things for the CCRC is that collaboration piece with, with others, with individuals and organizations and other types of institutions. And that hopefully will feed into that collective movement, if you will, as we move towards what may seem as radical change in the future. And it's interesting, some of the comments in the chat are talking about this incremental change, you know, the result of radical, uh, the result is radical, but the effort and change is in incremental, and then inch by inch, row by row. Um, and then big change starts with baby steps. And another uh, individual, Shauna Ray, she had mentioned that radical is potentially, you know, an external perception. So what one person thinks is incremental, maybe someone else is radical. And I think that's really brilliant. Absolutely. Cassandra, is it okay if I pick up on Shauna's comment there? Because um, that, that hit something with me. Yes. So Shauna's saying, I think radical is an external perception. What one person thinks is incremental, maybe someone else is radical. And that's what we found when we did the audaciousness podcast. What we think is audacious, we had this so many times that we interviewed people and said, okay, tell us about your audacious goal or the audacious work that you do. And the answer was inevitably, well, I didn't think it was audacious. It just, I just did it because something, you know, came up within me and I just felt called to do it. Um, and so I'm wondering if you could, if we could maybe connect that to the radical thing. It didn't feel radical at the time. I just did it. All of these incremental things resulted in a, you know, a radical impact. So I'm thinking, you know, I think there's something coming up there with regard to the, the huge radical impact compared to the incremental steps that you need to take to get there. I'm wondering if, if you could play on those words a little bit, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Helen. Thank you for that. Leah has asked, do you think that part of the reason it seems so radical is because we wait to do a big reveal at the end? You know, could we do a better job of showing how, in, in your example, Helen, the vegan sausage is made, so to speak? <laughs> I am actually posting recipes on my blog. <laughs> so, yes, so I am showing how I'm doing it. And that's why I wanted to do the blog as well. You know, if you, if you want to run a vegan B&B &B in Scotland or in anywhere for that, uh, for that matter, show how it's done. And so twice a month, I post about this is what we're doing. These are the incremental steps we're doing to create a radical change at the end. Perhaps. But possibly, yes, maybe we do. Maybe that's something that we do think, you know, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to ship my product until it's perfect. And that is just a mistake. You know, you've got to get it out there. You've got to get the feedback. You've got to keep um, improving on it and showing people your journey because it's the journey it's not the final product it's the journey and taking people with you on that journey as well yeah that, so, go ahead um that incremental change that also makes me think about some of the work done in in rural communities and i'm not sure if you would consider you know a lot of the volunteers you know entrepreneurs but in some ways they do have that entrepreneurial mindset and they you know you look at you go to rural communities that have pretty well-established events or uh, social fabric that's been built 
over years and years. And it's built, you know, maybe between the 4-H club and the Ag Society and, you know, on and on. And so um, you have these, these steps. There's no great big fair <laughs> um, that is put on all in one year. It's happened, you know, and it, it gets almost passed down between succession of, of volunteers and generations. Um, and so I think actually you see a lot of, uh, this is all anecdotal. <laughs> and it's not to say that the, the men don't volunteer, but a lot of that, uh, you know, incremental stepping forward in, in that area is, is often done by women. Um, they're the ones asking for the receipts for the bookkeeping and, or saying how, you know, the chairs should be lined up or, you know, and they're kind of the, I call them the mothers of the community and they get a lot of flack sometimes, but they're the ones there creating those, those experiences. So. Thank you. Juliana. I think um, data is also a good point with uh, just forms of measurement, um, I think can help if you're trying to um, communicate that change along the way and not just wait until the end. Um, we try to focus a lot on that uh, with our center and it takes a lot of time and effort to do that, but I think it's really worth it because then you can start to pick out patterns and figure out you know, what's working and, and what's not working, what requires iteration, what requires another radical change and what we should just keep plugging away with. So I think um, being data-driven and making data-driven decisions is really helpful. And sometimes you, know, you, you, don't, you can't do that. You have to kind of go by your gut, but um, I do think that taking the time to try to um, run the numbers and look at the, look at the actual uh, measurements can really help with that. Absolutely. Thank you, Juliana. I just want to circle back to that idea of that collaboration and that um, Leah had mentioned that there's room for everybody and shifting away from that scarcity mindset. And that can be considered transformational or, you know, bold or audacious as well. Just wondering what your thoughts are on that, because for us um, at the CCRC and with others that we know in our in our network, it is about opening up for dialogue and conversation and seeing where we can collaborate. And even if there's similarity in the work that we're doing, we're finding ways to support each other with that, as opposed to thinking, oh my goodness, they're doing the same thing. So I can't promote them or I can't be connected with them in any way. So what are your thoughts on that? I'm gonna actually quote my mother-in-law who I work with at Green Hectors and her theory is, is that it's, uh, the, the problems are too big to, you know, to say, okay, this is my problem and that one's yours. And, you know, we do, we all need all hands on deck essentially to solve some of these problems. Um, and so I think, you know, if, if someone wants to build a kingdom around, you know, a specific issue or problem or even if it's a, a rural business, usually you look at a lot of rural businesses and they do multiple things. You know, they offer multiple services or offerings. The dry cleaner is also the one that sells used books, you know, or what have you. And, um, you know, it, it's because there's a not, not enough service or problem solving or uh, products or whatever the thing is to serve 
the communities. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, in terms of, of collaboration, um, I'm thinking about the podcast because the podcast wouldn't have come about had it not been for me talking to having a conversation with my podcast host, Maribel, one day. Um, and we were just talking about we were having, you know, a Zoom call, regular Zoom calls. And some of the things that we were talking about, we just thought these are really good conversations that we're having. We need to get them out there. Somebody else, you know, other people need to listen to these conversations. Um, and the idea of the podcast Audaciousness came up because my my um, co-host is a, is a coach. She coaches women. And there was one question that she asked one of her clients about role models. You know, who was your role model? And her client said, I don't have any role models. And she said, um, so Maribel, my co-host, said to me, we need to get a podcast out there to get role models out there, for, particularly for women, to say anybody can do audacious things, audacious work. And so we came together and we said, what do we want to achieve? We want to showcase these people, ordinary people, and say that anybody could do this. So had it not been for these conversations that I had with my friend Maribel, we wouldn't have got the podcast out. Um, we've had some really, really good feedback from the podcast, from people listening to the podcast. But I would say more importantly, Maribel and I have grown so much in, we've, you know, we've had, we've, we've interviewed 20 people now from all different walks of life. And if nobody listens to our podcast, we don't care because we, you know, we have, have grown so much in, we're doing it because we felt the need to do it. Um, and we're having these conversations and uh, we're learning so much. So we are developing as people. And I think this is, again, part of the incremental things. Each of us who each individual person who is, is who is developing themselves, growing themselves, healing themselves is contributing to the growth of humanity and the world and the healing and the development of, of the world. So you know, we're getting it out there, we are getting good feedback. Um, but I think these, you know, the, the, the connection of the energy has just got the energy out there. And that's yeah. where the collaboration has come in from us. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's just it, just um, the energy that comes from getting human beings together in general, and then you take human beings that have common values or experiences, and that just like, compounds and even when you get people that have very different experiences together or values I still think there's um, really valuable energy that comes out of that as well um, I think that some of the like cross-pollination that comes out of that and kind of the the kind of hybrid um, thoughts and ideas that come out of that are uh, extremely valuable and that's one of the things that I've noticed kind of in um, the world that I'm in right now with Radically Rural, where we bring people together and before we know it, you know, these two people are working together on a project or these other people are, um, you know, have hired this new client or there's all these new things coming out of it, um, which I find really, really fulfilling and, and valuable for sure. Um, I think for me, creating that social infrastructure and the collaboration um, really has taken breaking out of some of the uh, social barriers that, that I have had because, you know, growing up, I was raised in a very, very conservative 
um, kind of fundamentalist like household and women, you know, weren't supposed to take up really space, you know, they were supposed to remain small and remain um, quiet and, and all of that. And so what I have found is that breaking out of that and, and asking for help is, or asking, kind of putting myself out there and saying, um, can you work on this project with me or something like that, then they feel like they can reciprocate and then come back to me as well when it's their turn. Um, and I found that, um, yeah, just being willing to ask for help and being willing to uh, partner yields some pretty great um, results. Yeah, thank you, Juliana. And that's, to me, that's pretty interesting and important when there's a shift that happened probably within about saying, wait a second, we can do things differently and I can ask for help as opposed to just following maybe the structures that were in place that uh, we grew up in, in that way. Helen, you mentioned something about when you were talking about the Audaciousness podcast about you felt a pull to do something. And I think that just lends right nicely into next question I'd love to ask the three of you which is what makes us change? When did you first experience it in your own life? And can you share a story about a change or changes you experienced that really put you on your path today uh, as, a, as a rural woman entrepreneur? I can share the story about what brought me to Scotland because I think that's quite an interesting story. Um, so I moved to Germany in 1999 and I ended up staying there for 20 years. But in 2010, 11 years ago, um, I came on holiday to the north, to, to Scotland, to uh, the Outer Hebrides. And I saw an old white stone cottage with a thatched roof. And I, I looked at that cottage and I thought, I'm going to live there when I'm older. And that seed was planted. <laughs> this little radical, as Garleen says, was, was, was coming up. This little seed was planted way back then. And I didn't do it anything for about five years. And then it was around about maybe 2015. This seed kept growing and kept growing. And I just thought, um, if I don't do something about this seed, it's going to eat me up. I mean, they say that um, you have to do the thing you have to do. Otherwise, that thing you have to do will kill you, you know, will eat you up. So I could feel that if, if I didn't act on this seed that was growing within me, something was going to happen. And so from, say, 2015 to 2018, I think I kept coming back to Scotland and searching for my ideal little white stone thatched uh, cottage with a thatched roof. Um, and then in 2018, I found a house. It wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it was um, good enough. Um, and ended up moving there. And so this was, you know, like I say, the seed was planted um, 10, 10 years ago, and it took me a few years to get there. Um, but that's, it was just something where I felt I had to move here. Something was pulling me so strong. I just couldn't, I couldn't push it down. I couldn't say, you know, oh, you know, I'm staying in Germany or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. No, something was pulling me to Scotland. And since I've come here, I've realized the reason why. Um, but yeah, definitely. And so this is why I think if we all find what it is, find what it is that we have come here to do and do that, then we'll all be in alignment with each other. Life will be so much easier. We'll solve all of these huge 
wicked problems in the world, you know, they are solvable. We're just going about it the wrong way. You quoted Einstein at the beginning. We can't do this in the same with the same mindset that got us here in the first place. We need to go back to, um, you know, ancient wisdom, indigenous wisdom, and just get into alignment, do what we're all meant to be doing, and things will take care of themselves. Thank you, Helen. <laughs> Carlene, Juliana. I forgot what the question was. I was really <laughs> into her story. <laughs> no, absolutely. It is about that question of, you know, what is there a story that you can share of a change or changes you experienced that oh, yes. you on your path for today? <laughs> yes, that's a great question. Carlene, do you have yours handy? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about it. It's like there, there's been several moments. I, I actually really, um, Helen's story, they, I've, I don't have that exact same, um, obviously that exact same experience, but the, the feeling behind it, I've, I've had that feeling behind it. And there have been several times in my life where it's like there's this intuition that is there and it's like, Oh, it just, it kind of strikes you. You're like, well, that feels right. That feels very light and where, where we need to go with this. And then, um, but I come from a very logical family <laughs> that I always um, liked to, um, I, I always wanted to think it through as well. So kind of where that heart and that head kind of meet and that was kind of a sweet spot for me when and, and still is today so if I get that oh this this would be the place to go with it whether it was I I was raised in the city and I decided to go to rural um, and that was a clarifying moment I lived in Ontario and now I'm out west and there was a moment there for me but at at all those moments I I sat down with pen and paper, did some journaling or thought it through or had a discussion. Um, and, and, and that really, um, I guess, gave me a calm about it. So there's that, that exciting piece of it, but then there was like, okay, no, this isn't actually as crazy <laughs> as, as, you know, I, some people might think there, there's a path forward here. So that for me, is kind of what I, I needed maybe to get me going was to have that logical foundation there. Thank you. Yeah, I guess the, the one that um, comes to mind most readily, there have been many. <laughs> um, you know, I've had um, times where, you know, I initiated bold change or radical change, um, where, you know, I probably shouldn't have if I didn't have the bandwidth to like see it through to the end. So I think there's times when it's nice to talk about the things that don't go well and why. Um, so like, you know, in when I was in college, I started um, this green team because uh, our campus didn't have recycling or other things like that. And, and so I worked with an organization, worked with the city, you know, like brought recycling to campus and, and other things like that. But 
I never could like establish someone to take my place after I left and make sure that it kept going. So I've always been a little nervous to go back and be like, did it stick or not? Like, I don't know. And I kind of have a feeling it didn't. Um, but I, I think also just at the time, I didn't really have the bandwidth to, to see it through. Um, but there, I would say the most recent example of, uh, of a change was just, um, uh, you know, I went to school to, and I studied humanities. So, you know, just kind of a stepping stone for higher education um, that I didn't do. And uh, my husband and I moved overseas. And when we came back, um, you know, I was just kind of um, looking for somewhere to work and ended up um, working for an accounting firm, a tax representation firm, and ended up, um, you know, sitting for my license to become an enrolled agent and which led me into finance and kind of all of these things just kind of led me into um, the field of, of finance and accounting. And um, I continued with that up until, you know, this past year. And um, uh, in our town, there's like uh, a brownfield site, um, which is essentially like a chemical <laughs> waste. And um, I was like, okay, what, what's happening with this site? Who is, uh, you know, I just had all these visions for what it could be and everything like that. And so I just kind of reached out to the town to find out, um, do you have an economic development committee? When do they meet? Um, I ended up going to a meeting. I had a baby strapped to me, you know, kind of like all uh, a hot mess, you know? And they were like, well, you seem interested in this. Like, do you want to join the committee? This was actually like two years ago. And so I joined the committee and my work, work with economic development um, and getting involved in the community just kind of kept uh, pulling at me and making me feel like this is what I want to spend my time on. You know, like I, I work full time in an accounting firm and I actually love that work and am great at it, but it wasn't like feeding my soul. It was just like a part of my soul. And um so when this uh, job opportunity present presented itself, um, you know, like a year and a half after joining the committee, it was kind of interesting that that experience is actually kind of what got me the job um, to do what I'm doing because I don't have any experience in it otherwise. And so I thought it was interesting that just like this, this one little thing, like, and I'm still working on that building, by the way, <laughs> um, but that one little thing of just like feeling like I want to... Um, carry this project through that's been going on for like 13 years that stalled a while ago. Um, you know, trying to carry that through is really what ended up leading me to the job that I have now, which was a pretty, pretty drastic change um, career wise and lifestyle wise. But I yeah. don't regret it. <laughs> that's amazing. And, it, and I love that too. And I love what you said, just that Sometimes things don't work out and it still helps you understand the direction you want to move with it, move in. So it's okay if some of the things that we think about that we want to do and we try to do them that they don't, they don't necessarily work in the way we want, but there's always so much learning that comes from that. And for me, whenever that happens as well, it acts as a confirmation for things. So um, I like, so that part is, I think that check and balance for, for anybody who is kind of trying to plow you know an audacious path or a radical path in front of them that they they allow themselves to to have those mistakes and to learn from them 
I'm just looking at the time and I do have one question I'd love to ask the three of you. You know, we talked about the social capital and infrastructure and we talked about that co collaboration as well as, um, again, feeling that pull or feeling compelled to do something that really rests on our intuition there. I'm wondering what does leadership look like as a rural woman entrepreneur if we're really talking about this kind of radical change lanes, landscape and, you know, as we are also kind of shifting our focus to the future. Um, okay, I, I can go first. Um, yeah, leadership, I, I struggled with the word leadership for many, many years because I, for, for a long time, thought leadership meant leading others. Um, and it's only recently that I've realized that it's leading yourself. Um, and actually to pick up on a couple of comments that, that have been, you know, we talked about gut instinct and then logic, and I yeah. think you need both of them. You, so your gut instinct tells you what you want. You know, I need to, I, I want this thatched cottage in Scotland, but the logic tells you how to get there. So it's like two sides of the coin. So, you know, you need both of them. So leadership for me is listening to and working with the gut instinct inside of you, you know, the, the, the thing inside of you, which is saying, I, I need to go there. Helen, you need to do that. And then Helen says to this, <laughs> to, you know, the, my soul inside of me, okay, leave it with me. I'll get my head on it. You know, the heart is spoken. I'll get my head on it and we'll see how we can get there. And we may not have the same outcome as what you think, but we'll get there, you know? Um, and so, you need to be able to lead yourself to get somewhere. And through that leading and through that being the role model, being the example, same with the podcast, you will find your followers, you'll find your tribe, they will come to you. Um, and so I think before you can lead anybody else, you have to learn how to lead yourself. Um, and there's just something that Shauna said uh, there, the hard lessons are a gift too. And I think the world where that you know we when we're looking around in the world now i can't see very many good leaders in the world right now you know i'm wringing my hands thinking where are the good leaders leading us in this world where they're leading us in the wrong direction i think that is a gift that is telling us that we all need to stand up and lead ourselves towards the direction that we all want to go so we need to say where is it we want to go think about it, manifest it, and head ourselves individually towards that. In doing that, our followers will follow us. We'll help each other, everybody leading themselves, and at the same time, picking up followers along the way, and we'll all get there in the end. So that, for me, is leadership. Authentic leadership, too. Yes, thank you. Yeah, good point. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's both. I think we all, you know, have a, a responsibility to, to kind of listen to our gut and, um, and to learn how to cultivate kind of our life to go in the direction that we want it to go. Um, I do notice that oftentimes there is sort of this hands-off approach to like, well, you know, I was never taught this, I was never shown this, or like, no one ever told me what to do. And, and it is unfortunate that we don't have better 
leaders <laughs> in the world, but there is, um, you know, there is a responsibility with all of us to, um, to do that for ourselves. I also think it does help to have great role models, like you talked about, Helen, or great um, leaders that, that do kind of um, step up. Because I think, you know, it's, you know, if people are just kind of like going in all different directions, but we have a, a goal that we all need to be working towards, it can help just to have one per somebody or some organization or something that says like, hey, if we all just scooch just a little bit this way and, you know, da -da -da, we can we can work toward it. So I think there's definitely the aspect too of, of having someone that's willing to step up um, and speak or do something as well. Um, and I don't think that person has to be loud. I don't think that that person has to be um, forceful. I think, um, you know, actually a leader who is willing to listen and, and to accept ideas or perspectives or criticism or whatever it is, is the most effective kind of leader, in my opinion. Thank you. Um, I would just say, kind of uh, stepping off of both of those points is, um, I think that there's a huge role of leadership from within, right? So at every level, whether you're very junior in a volunteer organization, or you are the person that's been doing the books up for that small rural organization for 40 years, you know, everyone leads or hopefully leads where their strengths are. So if, if your strength is doing the books and figuring that out, then, then that's when you should be saying, here's what I recommend and I'm, you know, and lead in that way. Um, so I don't think you, it needs to be in a hierarchy as in the top person and the second person and the third person. It's, it's kind of, you know, we've seen in rural communities where you have young people who are great with social media and technology and, and they lead, you know, other people, you know, the, the older generation and, um, or, you know, doing environmental farm plans and things like that. Um, so I, I think it, it um, defining leader and, and like you said, cultivating those leadership skills at all levels is, is really important. It kind of goes to what Helen was saying as well about, you know, leading yourself. Um, and then I think also adding a level of humility. So, so being humble, if you're going to lead and you know something, you have a strength, but also being humble enough to learn and take in that information and, and maybe the context has changed or maybe, you know, something new has come out or, you know, so those are two things that I would add to that. Yeah, no, thank you. And that really, I think that really highlights the ability to pivot or to adapt um, according, accordingly, um, depending on situation, context, and, and where you want to go there. I love that, you know, it's leadership from within, it's trusting your intu intuition, but using your logic. Um, so I think that's a really nice uh, marriage of words there. And for myself, when I think about leadership, you know, it is really about a leader in every chair. And if we're looking at chairs and if we're thinking about a room, it's really a circuit, you know, it's a circle, you know, and these chairs are in a circle and there's a leader in every chair. So agreed with you on that, that everyone has that ability and whatever their strengths are, they can, they can lead with that. 
I, we are, I, and we knew that this was going to happen about us running out of time, uh, but I would like to invite, uh, I will let everyone know that uh, we will post, and I think we have it on our Facebook page, but we will post contact details and websites and links for Carlene and Juliana and Helen uh, in Facebook on our um, website, and that way you can connect with them if you'd like. I'll make sure I get all those links there. Just want to uh, say that on behalf of the CCRC and everyone here today, I would really like to extend my thanks and gratitude to Helen and Juliana and Carlene for really sharing your time and your wisdom and your stories with us um, as we kind of set the stage towards trying to understand the idea of what we're calling radical change at the moment, but really how we move forward and in what ways. And a big thank you to all who have attended today. Your participation and your comments, which are incredibly rich, um, it means so much to us as we continue and have started this dialogue, but as we just continue our dialogue and all the different ways that we're doing that. And we'd like to just let everyone know that our next live broadcast to podcast will be on November 12th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time again. And we will be posting that soon on our website. And we'll be looking at the landscape or exploring what we call social enterprise. So the rural social enterprise landscape. And while it's very similar, I would say to women, rural women entrepreneurs, and we'll kind of do a deep dive on that at the next podcast, but just to really explore what that means as well as we move forward. So thank you again, everyone. Enjoy your Friday, happy Friday, and we will hopefully be in touch soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you.